0: Join me and follow along as I share mine and other stories as we buy, sell, or merge healthcare businesses and physical therapy practices. I'm Dave Kittle, and this is The Dave Kittle Show. Hey everyone, Dave Kittle here. Welcome back to The Dave Kittle Show. I am the owner of Concierge Pain Relief Home Physical Therapy and The CEO of the Fieldmaker Group, we're currently acquiring physical therapy practices in the New York and New Jersey area. And uh, one of our colleagues, Dean Volk of previously Volk Physical Therapy, was on the podcast recently and uh, gave us a suggestion and and a connection to have a guest that he is uh, colleagues with and has known for a number of years. That is Michael Gorin. Michael is on the podcast today. We're going to get into his background of selling seven locations. In St. Louis, the St. Louis area, St. Louis physical therapy. We're going to get into how he sold those seven locations, who he sold to. We're going to get into all of that. Uh, first of all, Michael, welcome on the podcast. Dave, thank you very much. This is this is a great opportunity. Thanks for having me on. Excellent. And then we're, we definitely want to explore also what you're currently doing now, which is I Move PT, iMove Move Physical Therapy with uh in-home physical therapy, mobile visit. Do you, do you call it mobile concierge, in-home home health? Like, what do you call what you're doing now? We-
1: Yeah, so we call it a mobile physical therapy practice, and we always try to when we're talking to people about it, we say we are not home healthcare. So
0: yeah, but yeah, I'd love love outpatient outpatient PT in the home. Exactly,
1: home or office or community or playing field or wherever somebody
0: wants us to be. Got it. And uh, we're going to get into that a little bit later about now Mm -hmm. your your company there is a franchise model, so. If there are therapists out there, there's uh, entrepreneurs or physical therapists that are interested, they can reach out to you in terms of any franchise opportunities. You have a, a number of other franchisees already, so definitely want to get into that. But the backstory is St. Louis physical therapy. So you had seven locations, you sold your seven locations in 2017. Tell us a little bit about the lead up. Why don't we start with at that point? Why did you think about selling? What was it that made you sell? Sure. You know i had
1: thought for about five or six years before i did finally sell the thought of selling my practice was kind of always there in my head because of the fact that st louis Missouri, very like a lot of other areas in the u.s it's uh it's a below average reimbursement area and bought it every way i could i tried to lobby down our state capital i contacted all the insurance companies did everything i could but at the end of the day the reimbursement was stagnant and despite every attempt i made it wasn't going anywhere so i had a feeling that as i built our company up to five six seven clinics once i got to, to seven i knew there was we just couldn't do anymore our our margins were getting leaner and leaner you you want to take care of your employees and i wanted to make sure that that my staff was treated well and try to do a raise every year and all that. But if the the reimbursement is stagnant at the rate that we had, you just, you got to look long-term and it wasn't going to be successful long-term. And it was hard because I am very much an entrepreneur at heart. And I love to create jobs and I love to have a team.
0: And um, yeah, but I, for my family, for me, it was, it was best. Got it. And in the pre-interview you were, you were suggesting I should probably have someone on in regards to go and do this solo versus with partners. So we also didn't cover in the pre-interview, was that, did you own, when you sold, did you own hundred percent or did you have partners?
1: When we sold, I owned four of the clinics outright. So I started the company back in 2002. And then after I'd been open about seven or eight years, I took on one partner and she was my partner in two of the clinics, two of the seven. And then towards the end, I took a partner in, in our final clinic. So we had, I had two partners. And it's, it was a challenge because those two partners were not part of the seven they were part of their two and their one. So, um, it was, uh, it was not always easy. And then when it was time for us to sell, you know, we had to, everyone had to be, everyone had to be on the same page and that's not
0: always easy either. Right. That sounds, that sounds like it could be challenging <laughs> for sure. Uh, Okay, so you had at the time, you sold in 2017, the seven locations. What was the scale of the team at that point?
1: Uh, team, we had approximately 25 physical therapists and then 25 admins, support staff, billers, front desk people.
0: Got it. And I know um, we're going to skip the the name of the company that acquired you, but it was a it was a, a national healthcare company, mm-hmm. a large corporate. That was part of your your situation there. So how did that go? Did you speak with just them? Did you speak with multiple prospective buyers? If you can think back, I know it's been now five years. How did that go in regards yeah. to getting offers and, and all that? It was, I would say that we started the process with our broker
1: in February of 2017. And we sold on October 1 of that year. So the process took about whatever that is, seven, eight months. And I felt like I did a good job of getting you know my broker every information he needed. The company that, that bought me, you know, they had needs requests and I would always turn around, but it just takes time. I do know people that have been able to get a deal done in three to four months. But again, ours was a little bit complicated because I had two partners as well. Um, and we did, we had offers from, there was probably three or four other companies that made offers. One was an offer to buy 70% of our practice. Um, but ultimately we decided, given the, the reimbursement climate in St. Louis, that 30% of our practice did, did not mean much. Um, because I should say we did not want to become a volume practice. Yes, we, you know, would schedule one every half hour, but we would not take it past that. And and um, it's not uncommon now for outpatient clinics and lower reimbursed errors to, you know, one person sees three, four people an hour and we were not willing to
0: go to go in that direction. Got it. Makes sense. So in the pre-interview, you were talking about your broker. So shout out to uh, you're OK to say the broker's name, right? We'll give him, some, I uh, am. Give him a shout out. His name is Jason Hebert. He lives in Vancouver
1: and tremendous person. And him and I are still very, very good friends now.
0: Do you remember how you got connected with him originally? Did you, was that a referral? Was that some online, if you remember? That is, that is a very good question. I
1: actually, I believe I talked with him maybe a year before. Then I don't recall if he reached out to me or how it happened. But uh, the, the first time we talked, it just wasn't, time yet you know as you know it's a big step and so uh, I was torn quite a bit and I was torn also because I knew that if I sold there was a chance that some of my employees would not be kept and any owner that's worth his or her salt does not want to lose any employees so I did lose after I sold we lost I think two or three employees and and those were those employees were very important to me it's just when we got bought out by a large corporation their role wasn't needed anymore but i would honestly say that was one of the hardest things throughout
0: is especially that last month when i knew who was going to be captain who was not so was that someone that was in the front desk was that like a billing person care coordination if you, if you remember the role that was kind of redundant at that point yeah it was really our
1: our billing team and then um uh the woman that was really my my right hand man for years, and she was in operations for me. She did so much for me, and the company that that did buy me out was willing to keep her on, but at a reduced role and a reduced um, salary and uh it just it just did not work so you know that is that is very hard when an owner you own anything you own and you're going to sell it, you have to kind of take all that. Into play. I was very happy, though. That after we were sold, I did help her to get her onto her next job. So, at least
0: you know, I feel like I did my my very best. There you go. That's great. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Mm-hmm. So, in terms of the reason why I was asking about your broker, because a lot of practice owners that are maybe thinking about it, they're watching this, they're listening to this, they might be in the process, and mm-hmm. it's typically like if you thought back like five, six years ago, typically most owners are thinking like, well, how can I sell for max value top dollar you know fair market rate you know whatever but but get the most out of it which you should I mean, that's what you deserve and then also like do i need a broker or not so that's the reason why i was asking about your broker and like mm-hmm. you know did you find them online did you get a referral from somebody so it's always good for other owners to hear like some of the the steps in the the situations that other owners that came before them what did they do what did how did their process go so that's uh, super helpful to hear um a little bit more about the the buyer that you eventually went with. Mm-hmm. In the pre-interview, we were talking about the EBITDA multiple, and I, and I put out other interviews and topics about EBITDA, mm-hmm. and it's basically like your net profit, and then plus add backs and owner perks and things like that. So, what's kind of right. going to be the unencumbered cash flow of the practice if right. the owner didn't have the extra owner perks in there? So that's what a buyer like us is, you know, looking for. And um, your your deal, your deal structure. Um, Can we go into a little bit more of the the EBITDA and and the multiple and how you guys got there? Absolutely.
1: Uh, Honestly, we went into it, Dave, really thinking it was going to be, and even Jason, I believe, felt this, it was going to be three to four times multiple. Um, That's what he felt for our company. You know, we had seven clinics, so we were big, but not a monstrous 20 clinic company. And just given the the reimbursement climate, the market, I believe he would have been really happy with the four times m- multiple. And we actually wound up with a we actually wound up with a seven times multiple, and that was an offer that we did not expect. We were very happy because there's no doubt that we, like other private practice owners, you work very hard. You know, it's an all in phenomena. You sacrifice a lot of things in order to be a private practice owner if you do it right. Um so we were excited about that. I mean that was uh that was a very exciting thing for us. And you asked me earlier when we were off air, is that something that I have to really negotiate that. I don't really recall. It might have been their second offer. And we had two offers that were really very good. Um and I think I said earlier there was one that was a group that was wanted to us to maintain some ownership. But for us at that point in time and that reimbursement climate, I think myself and my, my my two partners,
0: we just didn't want to deal with it anymore. Got it. So you guys ended up agreeing and selling 100%. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So for a, a therapy practice owner that's listening right now, if they had one or two locations, maybe they were around a million or two in revenue, and they're listening to this, could they get 7x EBITDA? Or what are what are what are your thoughts like in terms in terms yeah. of like that type of a size?
1: I would say no, but yet you know what? I haven't been in the field. Uh, I haven't been in the broker market now for about five years, so I'm not sure what the multiples are now. I'd say if you have a one z or two z clinic company, I think if you could. Again, this is based on what I know from before. Yeah, we're, we're not going to hold you to it. <laughs> I don't want anyone coming after me, Dave. <laughs> Mike Gorman, you said I get seven times. No, just, just want to
0: hear from you. Just want to. I hear. think if
1: yeah, I think if you have a company that size, I think it's like a, uh, I think you should be able to get, be able to get a three times multiple of you know, EBITDA. I think three times is realistic, and it's so many things come into play. How bad does that company that's acquiring you? Do they want to get into your your area, like when Dean Volk sold to Cora, I know Cora. I don't really recall if they were in Charlotte at that time or not, but I know I heard Dean say that they really wanted to get into that market, and so they're going to be uh, probably more motivated buyer, whereas right. if someone already ha- already has a b- bunch of clinics in the area and they're happy with that, and you know one or two. That may not add much value to that, depending upon your clinic, your expertise, how well you're connected in the
0: community, all the, those things are important. Got it. So the, um, we're not going to hold you to that number, but it, it was helpful for me to ask you as like you and I, we spoke a couple of times over the phone. We're just meeting over Zoom for the first time. The reason why I was asking is because with an offer that you got for seven locations, you have more scale, you have more. Net profit at the end of the year, so you have a, mm-hmm. a, a chunkier net profit number than someone that has one or two locations that's doing a million or two in revenue. Maybe they're around two, three, four hundred grand, maybe five hundred grand in in net profit or in that range of EBITDA. So, I wanted to hear from you because, and that's how we feel. And so, I just wanted to get your insight, your thoughts, even though, you, like you said, you're not, you haven't really, you know, talked about EBITDA multiples with a broker and right. or what a broker's seeing right now. But I wanted to kind of just hear from you. Because someone that has the one or two locations, sometimes the initial conversations with us, they might be asking for that, you know, five, six, seven EBITDA multiple, and and we get it, but but also at the same time, it has to make financial sense. And some bigger buyer looks at your seven-location footprint, and that's a gigantic footprint. And assuming you know you and, and it was probably operating well, and like you said, you had one patient scheduled every 30 minutes. So it wasn't like a mill or a factory. It wasn't, it was probably something that had a great reputation, a great you know impact on the community. So there was like all these like positives for that, you know, national buyer that that bought you. So I wanted to kind of hear that your thoughts on the EBITDA multiple and, and kind of have other owners not hear from me once for once on the show. I didn't hear it <laughs> from somebody else.
1: Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Um, you know, and it was, it was very intriguing because um, you know, we like a lot of owners, we had business debt. But it was intriguing to me because, you know, you still have to pay for that debt. If you have items on your on your balance sheet, if you have liabilities on the balance sheet, whoever acquires you isn't gonna pay that off for you. They're they're not gonna give you more money so you can pay pay that debt off. But at the same point in time. They they didn't really care about that debt because they they don't have to pay for it. So they're, they're going to give you what your clinic is worth. Um, and then, of course, at, at, after the sale, you've got to take care of your, your own debt. And uh, that's w- one of the things in the contract is that it's made sure that the first portion of your payout, if you have debt, it goes to paying off that debt just because they... They don't want to sell to an owner who then takes that money and does not pay off the debt, then they can get into financial trouble, which could then ruin their their deal. Who knows? Right. That person that owned it, that owner, if they don't pay off their debt, could wind up in jail. And then the corporation that bought you off is with nothing. Or they're they're left with seven clinics, but the person that drove it is gone. It's um, you know, I guess it depends upon who buys you as well, but it's a very thorough process.
0: Right. Very thorough, yes. In, in terms of the debt that you guys had at that time, was that mostly for construction or you know capital expenditures with equipment? You maybe you guys were building out new locations, that sixth or seventh location, or what?
1: Yeah, that's. I would say that's really what it is. We it wasn't like loans to pay payroll or anything like that. It was more to allow growth to occur, expansion to occur. Um, and again, what you're, when you make what we did from a reimbursement standpoint and you weren't willing to become a volume clinic, well, I mean, your margins begin to shrink. Because as I was telling you before we got on, I I always wanted to have a company where we, we took care of our employees and we tried to do our best to give a raise every single year and do good things for them. And well, if, if that's going up, if your expenses are going up and your reimbursement is stagnant or sometimes declining. It just, it just, yeah, it just
0: really didn't make sense for us anymore. Got it. And then how about approximately how much cash at close versus an earnout component, the deal structure from the, uh, the acquisition? I'm thinking that, and again, it's been a couple of years since I've looked at
1: it, but I feel like we had 75 or 80% at close. And then we had say 10 more percent, at the end of year one and then the final payout at the end of year two and we we didn't mind and to me it made sense i mean i think it was the the company that bought us it was their way of just you know ensuring that we stick around and um you know and we didn't have a problem with that we thought that was fair
0: and how long did you stick around like were you there months years during the yeah. transition
1: well So we sold in October of 2017, and I left this company in March of 2020. Um, So about two and a half years. Um, Every you can learn something from every experience. There's good and bad out of everything, and this was it was definitely a good experience. But when you are used to being the entrepreneur and when you're used to being the owner, then all of a sudden you go to work for someone that's very large with many different layers and many different people um, that have to give you a thumbs up. After a while, it, it does grow weary. I was still treating a fair amount of patients and I was managing several clinics and it just to the end to where I was burned out and I didn't enjoy it anymore. And I, I could not see myself at that time working another 10 plus years in that role. And again it was not it's no no harm against uh that company and there's a lot of great people there but for me um long term it just just didn't work and that's not what I thought going into it. I really when I when I sold I really felt like this was going to be my last company I was going to work with until I retired.
0: When you signed your you know you signed all your agreements and everything during uh-huh. the sale did you have to stay there for the one year, the two year, the three year, or when you left at that time in 2020, like, had you already gone past a certain time that you agreed to be there post-close and help with the transition? Did you leave um, early and, and leave some money on the table? So to to be honest, Dave, I don't, call if we had left or if I had
1: left after six months, I do feel like that payout was still going to occur. So it wasn't really, I, I despite what some people might think, I didn't time it where after the final payout came, then, then I left. It was several things. It was burnout. And uh, it was because I'd been in the outpatient world for 27 years at that time. And I was just, uh, I think I was very burned out on being in a brick and mortar office and being Confined in a brick and mortar office where everyone came to me. Right around that time was when COVID started. And I did not leave because of COVID. I wasn't afraid to treat patients in the clinic, but it definitely, I don't know, it definitely changed the way the world thought at that time. It just so a combination of things and just that, that honestly, the entrepreneurial spirit. And me, just this sounds cheesy, but it just had to had to come back out. And when you work for someone else or work for a large company, it can be tough. And that's what Ultimile did. So in March of 2020, I left this major company, and I didn't have anything except two and a half year non compete.
0: Two and a half year non compete. Uh, Got it.
1: Got it. At two and a half years after I left, so I, when I sold, when we my partners and I sold their practice. We had a five-year non-compete from data sale. Got it.
0: And the other partners, they were also PTs as well? They they were, yes. They are, yes. They are. Got it. So 7X EBITDA, you had seven locations. Um, it, some of this might be, uh, I'm, I'm not sure if, and we don't we don't have to say if the national company, if they're public or not. Let's just, we could skip that. But in terms of the, assuming you have seven locations, You were basically the principal owner or, you know, in terms of the owner there, typically ballpark window would be like, I don't know, 6 million to 8 million for total purchase price. You don't have to mention if you're not comfortable about the purchase price, but is that kind of the window or, or we could just skip it. It's up to you.
1: No, we can, no, we can. I won't tell you exactly how much I'm sure you can go online and find out, but we were much lower than that. So I would have loved it if we could have been a $6 to $8 million sale, but we 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 were lower. It was still to myself and my, my partners, um, we were still very happy, but it was not quite that high. And again, I think that all depends on the area you're in and your your reimbursement. Um, we had good full clinics. You know, we, our clinics were all full, but again, it kind of depends on the area you're in and you know, and the, to be honest, the company that bought me out said, wow, you really took care of your employee as well. I'm just not a fan of turnover. I would rather treat people well and pay them a bit more up front. Um, and honestly, this this experience of the lat, or when I worked for this company for two and a half years, it definitely opened my eyes again to what it was like to, to be an employee. Sometimes when you're an owner of a practice you sort of forget what it's like to be an employee. And not that it was bad. It wasn't a bad experience, but I just kind of opened my eyes.
0: Got it. Uh, In the pre-interview, we also talked briefly about you get this big lump sum of money. And that's then the next step, right? Either leading up to the acquisition, owners should probably be speaking with either a wealth manager, a financial advisor, right? Some, some, Some person. Did you already have Someone in your corner before you sold that was someone to kind of help you with the financial side of like where to put this money, or is that something that happened after the sale?
1: uh no it was it was nice to be able I had had a financial advisor for years, but I probably wasn't a very very important customer his. it was nice when I sold. I finally became a little bit more important customer he's a, He's a great guy, but when i was when I owned my company. You know, of course we took owner draw and all that, but there wasn't a lot of extra income to invest. So, I did for sure I kept him in the loop of what was was going on. I think
0: that that was super important. And in terms of investing some of that money in the pre-interview you mentioned, the ROM3 a medical device you invested in, right? You're okay with saying that publicly? Absolutely, yes. And then like other places you mentioned in the pre-interview. So, like where else did you you know where? Where else? Maybe invest some of this money that you that you. Yeah, I mean, up putting it. Um,
1: yeah, sure. I mean, we obviously paid off all of our debt, paid off all of our debt, which was beautiful. And then we, um, yeah, Dave. I think that's when. Did you invite us over to your chalet in New York City at that time? And we <laughs> stayed there for a month. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking. No, we put some money in IRA, four hundred one ks. But I was telling you before we got on this that the number one thing I did was invest in myself. And how we'll so. talk about, well, well, you know, we can kind of talk about this. But after I left this national employer, I had to figure life out. I mean, I have kids and I have a wife and I had to figure it out. And so I sh- tried to do telehealth. That's when the pandemic was just starting and telehealth was, telehealth is a great thing. I think I'm glad that it's, people are talking about it. Obviously, not as much now as when the pandemic started, but I tried to have a telehealth practice. And for two or three months, uh, I did everything. I did Facebook Lives. I tried to build a community online. And it was very, very hard to have a telehealth only practice. And so after doing that for about two or three months, I really had to pivot and think of what else I was going to do. I was looking at maybe acquiring an out-of-town clinic. I was looking at maybe going into sales. I didn't know. I didn't know, but I knew that after two or three months of telehealth, unfortunately for me, it was not going to work. And um, so, my wife, who is brilliant and I give her all the credit in the world, she um, told me, Mike, why don't you become a Medicare Part B provider and treat in the home? And, I, and my Uncle my Pete did allow a home care exclusion. And so, I did that. I started that in June of 2020, our company name is iMove PT. And shortly thereafter, I invested in myself because I knew that this was a model that many therapists would enjoy, many patients would enjoy. And starting January 2021, I'm working with a franchise attorney to build out this franchise concept. So that's really how I invested in myself. And I always think that a person should, yes, you should obviously have investments and things like that. But the, the the number one thing you can control is yourself. So do whatever you can, whether it's further education or whatever it is, always grow. And so this was my opportunity. And so that's I spent a lot of time in 2021 uh, racking up attorney expenses, <laughs> building out the franchise. And we started franchising
0: in January of 2022. That's awesome. So, in between all that, though, is when you you had already known Dean Volk. I want to touch on that briefly and then come back mm-hmm. to I Move PT. So, you you basically you were trying to acquire Dean Volk's two locations, which eventually that was your conversations were early before COVID, and then like as things developed, it was like you know March mm-hmm. or whatever of 2020. So, it the timing just wasn't right, and then Dean eventually sold his two locations to Cora, which you right. mentioned on the podcast. So, that was your you were looking to go that route because you would have been out of state. You would have been outside of the uh, the non compete, right? That was one of Correct. the reasons. Correct. So, and I, so co- I thought
1: I thought it'd be fun to own a clinic. I like I like to to travel. And I thought, well, it, this would be fun to use my experience and own it out of state. I I didn't really need to treat that much anymore. I still treat some, but not a whole lot. And I thought it'd be it'd be a great opportunity. I really enjoyed getting to meet Dean and his his team. So
0: everything happens for a reason. Right. COVID happened, the things happen. So then yeah. your wife suggests to do the in-home mm-hmm. physical therapy. Mm-hmm. You start I move PT. Why go the franchise route and, and start looking that direction as opposed to just like the traditional model that you did before, which was the brick and mortar, but just mm-hmm. hiring staff. And you could also have different footprints in other states or other markets yeah. um, without the franchise model. So why the franchise model specifically? Well, that was not my my mindset
1: in the very beginning. It became my mindset about three months after treating when I started to see the the tremendous care that patients receive when you could focus one on one on them without other patients behind you doing exercise, without a phone call you had to take, without an email you had to answer while you were were treating. And I and I just at that point in time, probably fall of twenty twenty, is like this is the way. It's supposed to be. And when I just woke up that one day and thought that I said, "This is what needs to be shared, because I long after I'm gone, I want to leave a little bit of a legacy behind, and I want to give a physical therapist the opportunity to be to be self-employed, because Lord knows when we're going through physical therapy school, I went to the University of Missouri, loved it. Perfect great I graduated much before you maybe I graduated before you were born I don't know but I graduated <laughs> in 1993 and we had I think our last semester we had a 2 hour business course where we learned about insurance taught by an 85 year old guy at 7:40 in the morning and so and that's probably not uncommon hopefully it's changing but I don't know um and so we as a profession don't understand business what it takes. And so it's always intrigued me. And I wanted to have an opportunity to share what I've learned and give others the opportunity to be self-employed, truly create something they're building for themselves, for their family. And, you know, honestly, when you have a when you're a franchisee, it's your company. And they just have, they're operating within our brand standards, but it's their company. And one day if they choose to, they have something that they can sell. And they won't have to work for a hospital. They won't have to work for a turn and burn outpatient clinic. I'm not saying all of them are, but some are. And, uh, you know, I know it's not for everyone, but there's a lot of people out there that want to do something for themselves. But the fear and the complexity of being self-employed in healthcare, where there's a lot of rules and regs, it's, it's not easy. So I wanted to impart my experience to give people the opportunity. And you know, it's fun. It's fun to go travel. We have a franchisee now in Tulsa. We have a franchisee in Kansas City. And hopefully before the end of the year, a couple more. And I love to go down there and meet them and their families. And um,
0: because it has to be a personal experience. How did those therapists find out about you and IMUPT? Um, those two, my first franchise
1: in Tulsa, actually a buddy of mine in Kansas City, he was his friend. And Probably a year ago, my franchisee in Tulsa and my buddy in Kansas City were talking. My franchisee, he was really burned out in his job. And he goes, this isn't for me. I want to do something else. I don't know what. And so my friend in Kansas City, well, why don't you talk to Mike Gorman? He's doing something that you might want to learn about. And so we talked for a months. We couldn't do anything because it wasn't a legal franchisee until January. And that's how I met Tyler and Craig Lee, who's my franchisee in Kansas City Craig and I we've known each other for maybe five, six, seven years, you know, go down to our state lobby day we see each other, and he was at a similar point in his career. He was a bit burned out and knew that there was something else for him that maybe would have more meaning. so he called me and last fall and same kind of thing we just talked, and once we became a franchise, once I could have a franchisee we kept talking. And then I went into town and saw him and he shadowed me. And, you know, it's very much as important to me as this franchise network gets built out as personal, because you should know that we franchise physical therapists only. I'm not going to franchise to a business guy or a business lady that just wants an investment. I don't want that. I want people that are still wanting to treat some, but that they want to develop a team of their own and they want to develop a company of, of their own under our brand. And so because of that, I always want to – it's okay if it's small. I don't really care, to be honest. It's more important to have the right people. Um, And I love the fact that I can go down and travel and spend a couple days there and come back here. And I have a great team in St. Louis that – because it's very hard to be a franchisee if you're still in the weeds in your own company. And so it's very hard to be a franchisor, sorry, hard to be a franchisor if you're still in the weeds, you know, doing everything you have to to keep your company in St. Louis going. I have a fantastic team here that's really unloaded me and taken over many, many great roles. So I could spend a bit more time being a franchisor because it's a totally different world.
0: Awesome. Can I pull up the website here on And If you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see it. Can I pull that up?
1: Yeah. Yeah, please do. Thank you.
0: Awesome. So guys, if you're watching or if you're on the Internet, if you're listening, first of all, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll be able to see this. But if you're on iTunes or Spotify right now, the website is imovephysicaltherapy.com and designed really well. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions. So like, first of all, the first thing that I came across when I checked you out and I saw mm-hmm. annual musculoskeletal physical exam. So it's kind of mm-hmm. like you go to a physician once a year for like your annual yeah. physical. Whose idea right. was this? I think this is genius. Well, um, it was my idea. I
1: mean, I'm sure I read it somewhere else a long time ago, and it's something I always wanted to implement for probably... The last two or three years, when I was uh, self-employed with the outpatient practice, and then um, the you know the couple years I was employed uh, with this major corporation, I talked with a couple folks about it, but it just never ever took off. And I think that we as physical therapists always sell ourselves short, and because of that, we're afraid to do things outside of the box. So that. Our site right there under iMove PT services, these are all the cash-based services that we provide because my goal with iMove PT was not just to have a mobile company where we treat patients for whatever, uh, four, five, six weeks, but to build a community of people that we can provide a high... They can can have a high-level wellness with our input because it goes so much more beyond so much more beyond the, uh, the four, five, six weeks of treatment. And so we've really built a community of people that value what, what we do. But we have to learn how to educate. And we have to learn how to let patients know and let physicians know, uh, let communities know what it is that, that, that we can do and that we're worth
0: every penny. How do you guys do custom-made foot orthotics if you're mobile?
1: Um, so we do it one of two ways. We do it where we make a. I make plaster cast. Uh, the the patient's prone, subtalar neutral. I still do it. I may be the old fashioned way, but I that's how I learned a long time ago. Um, and so I do that. And we also use a product called Vasily, which I don't know if you've heard of Dave or not. They they've been around no. for a while, but it's a semi custom orthotic product. So it's much better than a Doctor Scholl's over the counter but yet it's not custom either. So it's a semi-custom product that, it's a lower price point than custom, it
0: doesn't last as long as custom, but um, so someone has two, two choices. And what is, uh, okay, so let's see, you have another team member here. So integrated functional nutritional console. So this maybe is more local to you and not necessarily in the other markets? Uh, not really. Uh, uh, or Or it's remote.
1: J- it is. So uh, Jillian Warwick. Jillian is such a smart lady. When I used to do, I used to do Facebook lives a lot. And she was my guest a couple times. And I got to know her and meet her. She's just so, so, so smart. And she lives in Florida. And so the beauty of it that she can Zoom with our patients, because we know, Dave, that so many of our patients need this. They they need the nutritional component. We can educate generally, but she does amazing things with them. So that's, again, part of our wellness approach, our long-term wellness approach, where we want
0: people to be healthy and live, live longer. Got it. Very interesting. And now, uh, franchise opportunities. So, um, so right here on the website, you could just fill out this form, and then mm-hmm. either Mike or someone on his team will reach out to you, I'm assuming. And it gives a little, you know, is this for you? So, you know, some filtering here to see if it's the right fit. And I did click on this video. It was really good. Well, well done video about this type of opportunity. What's in a re? other than recapping the bullet points here, if there's a therapist or an owner, maybe an owner, there could be an owner listening or watching right now that sells to us, sells to another buyer, and then maybe a year or two down the road wants to do the same thing. But rather than starting from scratch and, and doing the whole franchise model like you did, maybe contacting you about a franchise opportunity. So like mm-hmm. who, other than the bullet point here, this list, who would be a good fit? Like you said, you want to attract therapists, not not investor type folks. This is someone you're looking to attract clinicians that are treating patients. Do they need to be ortho-based, neuro-based? Do they you know, need to have history working in geriatrics? Do they need history working or doing any type of home visit? Well, you bring up those are all really, really great points to me.
1: It would be a therapist that has worked in the outpatient clinic um and has knows what that burnout is like and knows that it's probably not going to change much over the life of their career. So I want them to kind of experience that so when they come into our model, they see what a different experience it is. I would say that orthopedic background is is very, very important, but we see a lot of neurological cases as well. So you don't have to be a fellowship-trained manual therapist. All those things are helpful, or or OCS, that's all helpful. But I think it's truly, if if a franchisee did have a neurological slant, I think that can work out beautifully as well, because depending upon the market you're in and the reimbursement market, you know, here in St. Louis, we do Medicare Part B, and we just started taking TRICARE, and we do self pay. It, it would not make sense in this market to, for us to take the private insurance plans that we'll say by names, but it would not make sense because you, you, you're simply not going to make enough to grow a company, to have a company, especially once you start having employees.
0: You so just answered my next question. I was going to ask if you were in network with a lot of the payers mm-hmm. or out of network. So now you're not, you don't do out of network billing for some of those commercial payers. Like if someone no. hits their deductible, you don't do it. You just do the private pay and then they can submit the super bill.
1: Yes, we give them everything they would need to submit. We give them a paid invoice that has all the ICD 10, CPT codes, everything they would need to submit. But that is a world that I did not want to get into because if those of you that have done out of network billing, sometimes you don't know where the check's going to. And sometimes the check goes to the provider. Sometimes the check goes to to, to the patient and it could become a real mess. So we chose to just not get into that. Um, You know, look, there could be certain markets that we go into franchising that maybe it makes sense to be on the insurance plans. Um, You know, I know there's better reimbursed cities portland seattle i know i'm sure there's a lot more i'm sure there's more i'm not gonna say a lot more but you know you need to we know where we we need to be from a from a reimbursement standpoint and we do not take the the medicare advantage plans either so right we've been able to have some growth yeah we've had awesome growth here and that's without being able to um take the private insurances and without having to be on the Medicare advantage, but we do, you know, right now we have about 20% of our patients are self-pay and, you know, you, you don't ever know who is values their health enough to pay out of pocket. And you can never, ever assume. Sometimes people that have a lot of money will never pay self-pay and some people that don't, you wouldn't think they would do self-pay, do self-pay for weeks. Right. Um, Yeah. But it's, You know, our, our model is, is, is is set. We're looking at other opportunities. We, um, looking at just other, because we're, we're mobile. There's a heck of a lot of opportunities that we could get into. Um, and as we can continue to grow, I definitely see a lot of amazing things and the world has become mobile. Um, and this, this is just, um, uh, it's just, I don't know. I just, I just love this, this model. And I know there's so many therapists out there that, um, will love this. And now, look. I have to be honest. I'm. And you're. I'm sure that every listener on this, it's already in their brain. Okay, Mike. You say you see one patient hour, and you're seeing Medicare, Tricare, self so pay. Yeah. If if you want to have a practice where you're going to make the most money you possibly can, Dave, I would say this model may not be for you. I think you'll do very well for yourself, but. Our model is one that will give you longevity (laughs) and will give you happiness and will give you, I don't that work life blend. I don't say that a lot, but my stress level as a PT is so much lower. And to me, you can't put a price tag on that. So you'll do well. You'll do well. Um, Would you make more money being an outpatient clinic where you see three patients hour? Of course. But that's, I, I, I've experienced those kind of lives, and I've seen some of my employees now came from settings like that, and that does, I hate saying it, but it leads to burnout, and I'm, several people that work for me have three to five years experience, Dave, and they were all ready to leave our profession. They spent all this money on their education, and after three to five years, they're about done.
0: So this is just this is another option. It, it might not be for everyone, but Absolutely. If you're if you're looking for less volume, less overwhelm, this might be for you. So the best place for them to go is if someone, an owner, a, a clinician, is it to send them to com, or they click over here on this portal to go to, uh, where is it? The franchise.imovephysicaltherapy.com. What's, mm-hmm. a, what's the best place for someone to, if they wanted to reach out to you, whether it's the website, maybe email address or anything like that?
1: I think they could just call me call me or text me. My uh, phone number is 636-578-3649. So they can call, they can text, uh, or they can email me. It's mike at imovephysicaltherapy.com. Our company name is I Move PT. However, when we went to get that URL, unfortunately it was taken. So mike at imovephysicaltherapy.com.
0: Got it. But were you able to get the uh, this logo I Move PT with the with, trademark with, you got a trademark nice yeah and it
1: doesn't show it there because i've got to change it. that's her logo without the trademark so i have have to change it. but yeah we got that early in the year and um yeah it's uh it's just um i don't know And it's i always enjoy talking with people on the phone i tell everyone everyone i've talked to i've talked to several people so far in 2022 about thinking about becoming a franchisee mike you know what even if it doesn't work out we still become friends, and we can build a great network together. So, and um, it's great. I I would say it's a brand new world. I've met a lot of new
0: people doing this that I would have never met before. That's awesome. So folks, uh, you guys can reach out to Mike. He uh, gave you his cell phone number directly. Uh, pretty pretty bold to put that out, but you'll be all right. Hopefully uh, <laughs> the people that reach out to you are are are, are legit and uh, won't waste your time. But uh, you can also check out imovephysicaltherapy.com. Uh, Mike Gorman, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. Uh, Dean Volk, thank you for the introduction to Mike Gorman. Really appreciate it and your time and giving us the the whole backstory. And we wish you nothing but success moving forward. And then maybe down the road, several months or in the next year or so, we have to come back on the show and we can talk more about the growth of iMove PT and, and how you guys hopefully have entered other markets and you're helping more clinicians uh, treat it the, the, the way they want to one-on-one and reaching more patients and helping more communities absolutely well thank you dave um i'm very impressed
1: by you that two or three times we've we've talked i'm so happy you're doing this and you're um educating therapists out there on what it is to build a business sell a business and we need more, more people like you and i've been honored and blessed to be a part of this
0: so thank you thank you very much Hey, it's Dave Kittle. Are you a healthcare business owner or physical therapy practice owner who is looking to figure out your succession plan or exit strategy? We might be able to help. And in fact, we may be interested in acquiring your practice. If you're interested, you can reach out to me. Shoot me an email at dave at concierge That's D-A-V-E at c o n c-i-e-r-g-e painrelief.com or you can call me at any time 646-781-8884